And howdy, y'all. I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie, and welcome to Sumo Kaboom. Sumo Kaboom. Where we talk about all things sumo. Yeah, and this week we're going back to the basics, y'all. That's right. We're going right back to the beginning for anyone that's brand new to sumo and is wondering why. Why sumo? Why we're so excited about it, what it's all about. Yeah, this should be a good place to start. If you're trying to explain sumo to a friend and they're like, oh, that sounds interesting. You say Sumo Kaboom episode 109 and hopefully that'll get you started. That's right. We're going to try to go sans lingo. We're trying not to go too statistic, too much lingo. It's purely the basics. That's right. But first, newsflash. All right, good old Koto Shogiku. You remember him? Yep. I like Koto Shogiku. Well, he has set the date for his hair cutting ceremony, and oh, that will wait. be October 1st. Wait, wait, wait. For brand new sumo people, Koto Shogiku is an ex sumo wrestler That's who has right. retired. That's right. But he was very famous for doing this one slick move. Yeah, he did this belly bump thing that he would he would get his opponents out of the ring by bumping their belly. Yep, and with that his was, belly. Yes, with his belly. But he was a very high ranked wrestler, and we like him. Yep. But anyway, he is retiring, and he has a haircutting ceremony because that's what you do when you retire. Yep. You get your top knot taken off, and that will be October first. Something to look forward to in the fall. Yeah, they're planning that out in advance. They are. Also, this is the only tidbit of information I have. The Hakaho Cup, which is a sumo tournament for kids mm-hmm. that sumo wrestle. That just happened. That just happened on April 3rd for the first time in two years. And did you know that there were over 600 kids participating in these sumo matches? And they were only from Japan, as far as I understand. Usually this thing is open to kids all over the world. That's and right. teams do come from Australia. Australia, Mm -hmm. even from the U.S. sometimes, from all over. They come to do sumo with other kids. But because of coronavirus, it was only kids in Japan. Yeah, but over 600. 600. Including Hakaho, who is the greatest sumo wrestler of all time. (laughs) Ba-boom. It looked fantastic that day, I might add. It's it's a cup named after him, Mr. Hakaho Show. And uh, his son actually participated. That is all I've got. You know, we've been researching sumo for a really long years. time, yeah. right? But what we hope we can do is just kind of break down in a very simple way what sumo is, how long it's been around, what's it all about, what's your watching how to watch it and who all the people are and and why we like it and why we love it yeah. exactly so let's start in the very beginning in the very beginning like 2000 years ago 1500 to about 2000 years ago like if if you believe in Jesus Christ and Christianity Jesus was walking somewhere in Jerusalem that is right and somewhere over in Japan there were a bunch of people sumo wrestling yep okay so it's that old yep it goes way back, okay? And it's really interesting to put those two pictures together in your mind, isn't it? It still cracks me up. Jesus Christ and sumo. <laughs> well, my vision of Jesus Christ is very funny anyway, because we grew up 
going to church and there was like a blue-eyed blonde like kind of look like a surfer dude uh jesus so like i have a very i mean that's who you picture when you think of Jesus Christ? No, no, Surf, no. But dude? that was our crazy world that we grew up in. Now there's lots of different funny versions of what Jesus looks like. No one knows what Jesus looks like. Anyway, we're on a side note. <laughs> we're on here. a tangent. We're on a tangent. that's what we're about. But that's what we're all about. Anyway, um, so imagine however you will, Jesus Christ. And then imagine that thousands sumo. of miles away, there were people sumo wrestling. Yeah. Sumo was done in a ritual for like the gods, like, right. It was for, it could be for a good harvest. It could be for a number of things. It could I thought also, it was just guys on the corner having could, a good time. Well, yeah, it could just be to settle a score. That made it sound like prostitution. <laughs> and, and I did not know. They did not do it for that reason. <laughs> guys, what, why did, where did the corner come from in my mind? Well, the corner happened later. Okay. So, okay. So Sumo started out as probably just fights in the street, right? It was just... There we go. It would bring people out. They would see, you know, wrestlers fight each other. And This is pre-Jesus Christ? No, no, post, because the beginnings of sumo (laughs) are aligned with Jesus Christ's birth. Yes. We don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) How are we experts at this? Anyway. Okay, so... (laughs) Spoiler! We're not. We're not. But we do enjoy researching it. (laughs) No. So, sumo had been done for a long time. It was kind of a little rough around the edges, right? It could be guys brawling in the streets naked. Like they used to do it and just completely naked. Completely completely naked. Like I'm just my clothes off. I'm I'm gonna rest I'm mad about it. Exactly. Because that's what I do when I'm mad. (laughs) Throw my clothes off. off. But I guess it's a fair way to fight, you know? You no one's packing any heat um unless it's between their butt cheeks. I'm not Again, even going to go there. We are not, not going to e- go there. Experts. Okay, but anyway. So sumo for a long time and this was <clears throat> men only. Oh yeah, ladies, you cannot do. You can't you can't throw your clothes off in anger back then. No. Although throughout the years there are, have been female sumo wrestlers and there are today. Yes. But yeah, okay. We'll, but it we'll started get, but with we'll, men. It started with men. Yeah, okay. We think. We think. But then in the Edo period, which was like, I don't know, 1860, I should know this about I should know these dates. But anyway, they they legitimized it. They were like, hey, y'all, everybody from the countryside is kind of moving into the big cities. And none of y'all country folk who are used to fighting naked in the street are allowed to do that anymore (laughs) because we're legitimizing it because we have been Japan. We've been very homogenous for all these years. And like and actually, now that Western culture is like seeped in, we're like cool with just going back to all Japanese things. And so we're going to reclaim this like street fighting thing and we're going to legitimize it and make it look nice Mm -hmm. so that it's palatable to the richie folks, you know, all the lords and ladies of ye old days Mm -hmm. and that they can be our patrons and and then we're going to put a little bit of ritual into, into it a little bit. You know, let's put a little Shinto fun into it. So we're going to have a whole bunch of ritualistic things that we do now mm-hmm. only in sumo only in sumo and we're gonna just make it look real nice and then then you know the people will come and they'll watch it. it'll it be a civilized affair and that's what happened from when it was made civilized back in the edo period to today it has maintained those traditions for the most part for like the last hundred and whatever bucket years mm-hmm. right and that's kind of what you see when you turn on the television. You're like, 
who are these guys with these funny hairstyles? And we always hear the same stupid ass joke. And all right, if you're at sumo level one, you don't know what's going on. You're going to make the dumb fat guys in diapers joke. By the way, don't ever say that to somebody who loves sumo because it's like we hate it. Yeah, it's pretty annoying. It's annoying because these are real athletes and it shows that you don't understand what the sport is all about. They're not just big guys in diapers. What they're wearing is called a mawashi, which is used for grappling sports. It's something that they actually hold on to and they use leverage-wise to defeat their opponent, right? In the ring. Sometimes. Not all the time. But it's, you know, meant to cover up the jiggly bits. And by the way, if you are ever exposing your jiggly bits on accident, that thing, that mawashi is tied up. It's like 14 yards long. It's crazy long. And it's crazy tight. It's crazy tight. It is wrapped up like by your tsukibitos, who are your kind of helpers. Helpers. Yeah. And you were tucked into that thing tight. Yeah. And if your jiggly bits fall out. You're disqualified. Yeah. You can't sumo wrestle. Yeah. No. Because they're not into the nudity anymore. And to be quite honest, in slow-mo, nobody Nobody wants to see that. (laughs) Really. No. We already see a lot of like undercarriage anyway, which is like, you know, just nobody wants to see anybody. Honestly, fascinating. (laughs) Because those are angles that you don't get each and every day. Yeah, this is true. But like their whole bodies are out there for our eyes. And so I think when you watch sumo, a lot of people from the outside world always make this fat joke. And we hate it because truthfully, it's a lot of man. It's a lot of athlete. But what you a lot of people don't understand is that is how they've arrived at that body for certain reasons. Underneath all of that is crazy muscular structure, okay? And the way they put on weight works to their advantage. Yeah, so just know that those shapes and sizes are developed right to be that way. Right. On purpose. And in sumo, I've, you'll see all kinds of body types. You'll see yes. very short. There are no weight divisions in professional sumo. So you will see guys who are 5'6 and 200 pounds. And you'll see guys that are 6'4 and 485 pounds or whatever. And they're mm-hmm. fighting each other. Yeah. And lots of times, the little guy wins. Sometimes, the big guy wins because he's just got more heft. Yeah. But it's all leverage. And it's all how they use their own body to fight. Right? So another thing you might see, you might wonder about is their hair. What's the hair all about? Well, it goes back to ye old days when they legitimized the sport and they took this hairstyle that used to be a samurai hairstyle. And when the samurais were, they were outlawed, the samurai class was outlawed. It was around the same time that sumo was being legitimized. So the only people who were allowed to keep this old samurai hairstyle were the sumo wrestlers. So that is the hairstyle you see. And only the top two divisions of wrestlers are allowed to have the little uh, fan up top. It's it's meant to represent a ginkgo leaf. And it is styled by a, a hairstylist that only does sumo guys' hair. Just imagine it's the world's original man bun. Yeah, exactly. It's really what it is. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to us too much... One thing you should know is Leslie is really super interested in the history of this sport. <laughs> I'm not always good at it. But, but you love it. Like, but I do that's love... one of the main fascinations you have yeah. for sumo. Or it seems that way yeah. on the outside. Yeah. I get so much of it wrong. But 
But I you do tried. enjoy going to the down the rabbit hole of sumo history or why is this like this, right? Yeah. And and you keep learning more and more and bringing it to this podcast. Yes. And you appreciate the actual physicality of the sport and their bodies and how they move. And um, uh, also you have a, a, a Hakaho uh, obsession. Slightly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I, – I don't know Who's if the I'm... greatest of all time wrestler? Hakaho. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have – there's a part of me that loves the fandom – of sumo, absolutely. I love learning about who these men are. Like these men that live across the world from me and are half my age. I just absolutely love learning about them. But yeah, you're right. I do have a big interest in how they train right. sumo wrestlers, right. how they develop those bodies, exactly what's being done on the doyo, the physicality and of the it. Doyo and the doyo is, oh, sorry, the, is ring. the ring. Yeah. The and the ring is like ring. four and a half meters wide, something like that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a big square. It's a big ring. In, it's a square in the middle of a huge arena. Usually, if it's a if it's a pro match, mm-hmm. it's in the middle of a big arena. And there's people seated, it like surround sound, mm-hmm. right? All mm-hmm. four sides, and it's, it's raised up. Around. Yeah, it's raised up on a clay platform, and there is a ring inside of it. And the purpose is to throw your opponent out of the ring then or down lose. or down to the ground. Yeah, or yeah, any part of their body that touches the dirt. Yeah, besides the sole of their feet, right? So if their hair touches the ground before their other opponent goes down, then they lose. So. That's what we're talking about when we talk about a doyo. That's the ring in which they fight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted you as a listener to know that, you know, if if we ever go to history, it's usually going to be Leslie who's like, ooh, ooh, I, I learned this thing. I want you to know this thing. Uh, like, because that is her fascination. She's lived in Japan. She knows the culture better than I do. No, you've I had, hardly do. You've had... <laughs> But feet on the ground experience <laughs> yes. in Japan, as opposed to me, who's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to study exactly how they're developing these muscles in their neck, because why are their traps so big? How do they get them so big? Yeah. And of course, you need to de- develop that physicality because people are always pushing on your neck. And that's wild and scary and weird and yeah. exciting. Yep. And I'm usually going to be the one that's bringing up that kind of stuff. Like, exactly. Look at look at that muscle on their back and how much that is developed and look how that changes how they move. Yeah. You can translate the injuries. <laughs> I don't know yeah. where meniscus is, but you do. <laughs> Fascia? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Sores on their skin? That's totally cellulitis? all me. That's me. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be the one looking at cellulitis, not you. Okay. So back to what are you looking at? Yeah. Oh, well, I should say, a little bit more about the History? wrestlers. Well, and how a wrestler lives and what what is that all about? Okay. Part of the fascination is these men are living lives that are so unlike right. our life. Right. Over here in Texas, yes. in the USA, yeah. there's nothing quite like what these men are doing right. and how they're living. So basically, some a, a lot, I will say a lot, at the age of 15... A lot of kids join the sumo world at 15. Some are going to become wrestlers called rikishi. Some 15-year-olds show up and they want to become a yobidashi, and that is a caller. So if you're watching a tournament, you're seeing these people before each match announce in Japanese who is coming out to 
wrestle. And then there's some people who sign up at age 15 and they want to be a gyoji, which is a referee. And those are the guys in the center of each match wearing the gorgeous silk outfits um, that are reminiscent of years ago. Um, It looks imperial in the way they're dressed. So those are the referees. And all these people come into the sumo world at 15. Sometimes they come in later after college. If they've been wrestling their whole life and they've been wrestling in college, then they'll join sumo a little bit later at 18 whenever they've graduated. But some kids literally leave junior high and come into the sumo world and they get schooling and then they also they join a stable and a stable also called a heya is where a group of wrestlers lives and trains somewhat as a family as john gunning who is a a writer for the japan times he has um, a number of really good articles uh that he writes about sumo and what you're watching and everything that's going on in the sumo world but he describes the world of sumo in a heya or a stable as almost monastic you come in as a very lowly kid at 15 and you were given think of it as um you know the movie or the musical Annie? It's a hard knock life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Think of the world of Annie. Except nobody's really an orphan. But uh, the world of Annie is just a, the orphans wrestle each other in the morning and mm. eat a very big meal after it. Mm. Would you say that that's kind of the same thing? Mm, except the no- orphans <laughs> don't have to get up first thing in the morning and really work out. In they just Annie, have to avoid Miss Hannigan. That's true. That's really all they that's do. That's true. But yeah. So I guess it's sort of like Annie, but then not not at all like Annie. It's, it's a bit like the military. Yes. I will say that. You wake or up. It seems or, to be. Yeah. If you're like a new kid, you're going to come in and you are going to get up first and you're going to have to do the chores of the whole stable. You're going to have to wash clothes. You're going to have to like clean the toilets. You're going to have to clean the showers. And then you wrestle like you practice first. And you get your wrestling done first. And then the upper ranked wrestlers, the guys who are better, essentially, have higher ranking. They roll in a little bit later and they wrestle with other people in their stable that are higher up. Then the young guys go and make lunch for the other guys who are wrestling, even in the order in which they eat, the order in which they sleep, like everything seems to be Uh, catering more towards the the privileges come with those who have risen in the ranks, the people who have the higher ranks. And so the new kids, that's their ambition is to get higher and higher and higher in the ranks. So they'll have less, lesser and lesser crappy jobs to Mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. It's a motivation. And when they're training, there is no real rule book of how to be a sumo wrestler You learn by practicing every day and you learn by watching and you learn just in the experience of doing how to become a sumo wrestler. Honestly, what it seems like is you learn by getting your ass kicked by guys who are better than you and bigger than you for years until you learn to beat them. Exactly. And there are techniques called kimarite and that 
is like just ways of throwing people down to the dirt. Yeah, there's honestly. like how many 82, 90 something, how many kimaritees. <laughs> there's a bunch of different ways to kick someone's ass yeah. in sumo. And they all have their own name. Right. And after every match you watch on TV, they will tell you who wins and how they kicked the other person's ass. Yeah. Oh, and- that's kicking of the ass A. <laughs> oh, that's kicking of the ass D. Yeah. yeah. Yori Kiri is one you might hear. Oshidashi. Oshidashi. So I always get those. I, all these years later, still can't tell you what something is when I look at it. I have to wait for the color commentators to mention it. And then half the time they're wrong, too. It, it's a very difficult thing to see what's happening in the ring. Anyway. Because yeah, one of the reasons is when you watch sumo and you sort of get past... Uh, all the flesh that you're seeing and all the different kinds of bodies that you're seeing and the different languages that you're hearing. Once you get past all that, um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. You eat, it, you eat an Oreo and then you come back to it the next day. I don't know where she was. It'll come back to you. It will. Yeah. It'll come back to you. Anyway, so... That is kind of the life that you lead when you're in the sumo stable. The the older, not older, but the more experienced you are, the better you are, the higher you are in the rankings, the more privileges you have. There's a bunch of stables, mostly in Tokyo, and they're all, you know, um, different little families. And they have a coach that lives there amongst them, a couple of assistant coaches, and each stable has a hairstylist and a yobidashi and a gyoji. They have all these people associated with their stable. So. Can I share what I was going to say earlier? Yes. Yes. This is random now because we've gone past this. I know. Well, then let me say I want to talk about Shikona and Bonzuke next. Okay. I was going to say earlier that when you watch sumo and you get mm-hmm. past all that stuff yes. that seems so new, yes, what you got to learn to do eventually, if you're interested in kimarite and different ways of kicking someone's yeah. ass, you have to teach yourself to watch their arms and and not well and and don't watch so many other things because right. there's lots that you could be watching with your right. eyes when you watch sumo right. it but is you have... pretty easy to watch you're like oh the guy fell to the ground first or he got pushed out of the circle that's the baseline yeah. of understanding i think that's why it's really approachable for most people yeah it's a pretty easy it's not like it's cricket sorry for all you cricket lovers eight hour game of who knows what yeah um Sumo is pretty easy to understand when you're looking at it. Until you unpack it and you start to watch where their hands are going. And that is the key to learning all or beginning to understand all the different ways to kick someone's ass. Because it's all about where their hands are and how they're pushing or pulling. It's Mm -hmm. all about the hands. So for me, when I first started watching sumo, and it's still hard today, I tend to watch their feet. I watch butts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, feet and butts because they're so I mean they're so present and they're they're fabulous. Like yeah. legs are fabulous. But if you're going to learn the kimarite then you have to watch where their arms are going yes. and where what they're grabbing and where and then you can begin to unpack some of those kimarite. Yes. That's what I was going to say earlier. Okay. That just flew out of my mind. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the wrestlers. Now each wrestler has a stage name, if you will, yeah. called a shikona, 
Okay. So they all have regular people names, but it would be like if you and I had stage names, we would be like one, we would be Cher. It's one name or Madonna. Yeah. Or three syllable. Yeah. yeah it's, it's usually just one name. And that's like given would, to them by the for the time that they're wrestling. I I could request something like the gold prize. You could be something like that. True. Because like, Hakaho, tr- I mean, yeah. It, it usually has a translation. He's like yes. the white phoenix or something. Yeah, but show also means prize. So it right. could have several meanings. Right. So there you could be named all all sorts of things. Yeah, but it's only one name. It's only one name. Yeah. It's not like you're gonna be uh two names it's yeah. you're gonna just be Cher versus madonna so there's this kid that just got into the highest level of sumo wrestling and his real name is jasper kenneth that's right jassy ken <laughs> and then he took on a very different name yeah when he you know as he was climbing the ranks you can your name can change which your was, shikona it can, can change. change which is koto kuzan is who yeah. he became sounds a lot more exciting yeah than the jasper jasper <laughs> jasper although he, yeah but anyway your name is given to you by your oyakata and so that's your name for you can, for your career and you can change it if you're having like bad vibes with your name yeah well and you can you know say i would rather go by share please right and some of them sometimes go by their go, first okay. name actually yeah i was gonna say sometimes yeah, like, they ha- they fight laurie <laughs> Yeah. Laurie! <laughs> Leslie! Exactly. exactly. Shodai! Exactly. Laurie versus Shodai. Yep. So it is possible to keep your, your name. Sometimes. It's pretty Sometimes. rare. It's like rare. Endo was one. He yeah. kept his name. Yeah. 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 But if I was given a choice, I'd be like, oh, hell yes, I want a stage name. Yeah. Share, please. When the, and they all have history. You know, a lot of them have history. Yeah, you could be sure. Somebody else has fought under that name, and it might be a good name. Or, you know, anyway. I think That's your names. stage name should have something to do with history. That's true. That's yeah. true. I do love history. Yeah. Okay. So we've got wrestlers. They have one name. Everybody in the sumo world has a different name given to them or uh, associated with the job they do, right? So if you're a gyoji, you have a gyoji name. And it's not the name you're born with, but that's the name you go by while you're performing that job in the JSA, the Japanese Sumo Association. Yeah, it would be like Tom Brady went into football and he he got a stage name that was like, I don't know, Bradyopolis. <laughs> Bradyopolis. And people were like, Bradyopolis! <laughs> and then the referee for the football game that he was playing in also had a stage name. Right. And their name was I don't- Hank! <laughs> Hank! <laughs> And then when he retires, when he when Tom Brady retires, Brady Lord knows he will off. never retire. Actually, but <laughs> when he finally does, Tom Brady, he'll become like uh, Clark Simpson. Right, <laughs> he'll become like a completely different name. That's right. We may be confusing you with all this name, all this name business. All you but need names to know change a lot. is when you're watching sumo, they all have one name. My favorite wrestler, Takayasu. One of your favorite wrestlers who just retired. Hakaho. Mm-hmm. So those are names that you would hear. Okay. And I, I think that's one of the real sources of enjoyment for American fans is getting to learn these names, uh, learning to say them. Even like there is a wrestler 
whose name is Wakataka Kage. Yeah, and Wakata- for an Wakataka American Kage. mouth, that Wakataka is Kage. quite a mouthful. Yeah, but once you get it, it's, it's super it's fun. fun to say yeah. Wakataka Kage. And there's all sorts of names like that that are really enjoyable yeah. to learn about and learn to cheer for. Yeah. And you will find that when you're watching sumo, you'll get on someone's team. I think the wrestlers is the gateway drug, is you find the, out that each one of these wrestlers has a personality. And you become a fan of them and you become a fan of their wrestling and you will continue to watch them. Yeah. In the six tournaments a year that Sumo has, you will come back to them and you will cheer for them over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, um, open hips were my gateway drug. Yeah. But I guess they did belong to Mitakeumi. So who was your gateway who drug? Who was my gateway into Sumo? Yeah. And yeah. if you talk to Sumo people, all of them usually have that their favorite. Person. Yeah. They have their faves. And- yeah. And like Tochinoshin has been a huge fave for so many. Right. Yeah. And he's he exploded he's not, onto the scene and he's not Japanese. That's right. There's so only many one foreigner allowed in each stable or each each house, if you will. And Tochinoshin is from Georgia, not Georgia the United US. States. <laughs> Georgia the country. And so he's a very high ranked wrestler. Oh, and wouldn't you love to see a sumo wrestler from Georgia, Georgia Texas. in the U.S. Or, did I say Georgia, Texas? Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> there is a Georgia, Texas, I'm sure. Uh, There's an Athens, Texas. There's a Paris, just, Texas. There must be. I would just want to see a really large man from Georgia do well in sumo. I just think yeah. that would be fun. Yeah. Well, that was my gate, gateway drug is American wrestlers. When I came to the sport 20 years ago, there were two Hawaiian wrestlers who were at the tip top pinnacle spot on in the rankings and that top spot is called a yokozuna and that is the highest ranked wrestler you can ever become and it's really hard it's really it's a really hard thing yeah there's there's a whole system of ranking right in sumo and um, And you earn your you earn your way up you have to win a whole lot to get to those highest ranks in sumo right and really the thing to remember is that it is so so difficult to climb to the highest ranks and to stay there and to be top man on the mountain yokozuna is super hard yeah and and also these rankings they come out on what's called a bonzuke which is a ranking sheet and it lists everybody worth ranking Everybody yeah. rankable. And that's from the lowest division, which is called Jonokuchi. Like the bottom three, no, four, the, the bottom four ranking brackets are non-salaried. Only the top two divisions in sumo, Jurio and Makauchi, those guys get real salaries. If you make it, it is so hard to make it to the top two divisions. And when you're watching on NHK or however you watch, you can watch on YouTube, um, you are typically watching the top division, which is called the Makauchi division. And within that division, there are different rankings. Maigashira, Komusubi, Sekiwake, Ozeki, and like we just mentioned, Yokozuna, the tip top of the pyramid. And uh, each one of those, as you get higher and higher and higher up, makes more money. So all of these guys who join in sumo, join a stable, make no money for 10 years, slaving away at the stable, are all aiming to get to this top division because that's where the money is. That's where the fame is. And that's where that's where a career is made. 
Because even after you retire as a sumo wrestler, you can continue to work within the organization, the JSA, till you're 65 or older and have a have a retired, like a guaranteed salary for the rest of your life. That was a whole lot of info. It was. Just know that when these boys get into the sumo world, there's a chance they could stay in the sumo world for their Forever. entire career. Including the people who are also there as a as a as a referee. Yeah. Entire life. Entire honestly. life. There's a whole world of people that start at fifteen and yeah. they don't retire till they're sixty-five and yeah. they live their entire life in this sport of sumo. Yeah. Not not everyone. Some no. people do leave the world of sumo. There are plenty of people. reasons. But I don't, I mean, I guess that is possible in the military, uh, but you can't go into the military at age 15. So there's nothing quite like it right. in the U.S. Right. But close second would be military. I would think and so. And you'd become like a five-star general. Is that yeah. such a thing? Or sure. is there only three? No, I think five-star well, general. what do I know? I don't, <laughs> I don't know I anything about absolutely military. no idea. Anyway. Okay. So we've been rambling on a lot about... All of that. Let's talk about when you're watching on how we watched, NHK is a is an app you can get on your Apple TV or Roku or whatever. And for the six tournaments a year, they have highlights every day, 28 minutes of highlights of the top division. I don't think we explained tournaments per year. Right. I think let's do that yeah. now after yeah. this. After this. After okay. this. Um, that's how we watch. And it, there's English commentators. And that's how a lot of stuff was explained to us is just by watching these daily highlights. There's 15 days of competition. Those happen six times a year. And during those six times a year, you can watch the daily highlights in, with English commentary on NHK. And there's also this thing called Sumopedia. And they also break down in two-minute segments what it is you're watching. So the six tournaments a year, how about you take over this? What we're watching when we're turning on the highlights? What happens? You're watching each wrestler fight one guy every single day for 15 days. A different guy every day. Yeah. They don't fight the same person. They don't even know who they're fighting until like the night before. Right. And then they show up, they get warmed up, and they go onto the ring the raised clay area, and they fight their one person. Well, and before they do that, they do a ring entering ceremony where they step up on the doyo, they walk around it, and they like put their arms up, and then they fluff out their Kesha Mawashi, which is that apron looking like thing, to prove to everybody else that they're not packing any heat, they have no weapons on them, and then they're stomping out the evil spirits in in the in the arena. Yeah, yeah. I mean there's rituals that yeah. you'll, and they're you'll all watch. from Shinto religion. Um there's all kinds of things that hint at that Shinto religion um throughout prior to each match and after each match. Yeah. So and if you watch the highlights of the tournaments, you'll see some of that. You won't see the full ceremonies right you won't see everything right they're cutting out a lot if you were to be in japan watching this it's a full day affair oh it's like eight all hours. day and yeah, then you yeah, start yeah. with the young guys who are just starting at 15 who who only have a yeah. few matches versus going up 
at three o'clock in the afternoon to like five is the biggies, the right. top division. But if you're watching the highlights on NHK or on YouTube, most of that has been cut out. And what you're watching are the top most popular fights from the very highest divisions. So the guys that are highest ranked. And what they're trying to do is get as many wins as they can against their opponent in the 15 days. Because the more wins that they get, the higher in the ranking system they go. And that means more privileges. And that means more money. And that means more prestige. So they're always looking to get more wins than losses. Right. And that is what's called a kachi koshi. Okay. If they lose more than they win, they get a maki koshi and they fall down in the rankings and they could potentially lose privileges or fall out of the top division. But it's really simple what you're looking for. Is this guy the, with this name mostly winning against his opponents? Is he getting eight or more wins out of the 15 days? And what makes it so exciting to watch is can they make it past that, you know, eight wins mark? Do they, will they possibly get double digit wins? Right. Because it's super hard to beat a different opponent every day for 15 right. days in a row. Some some guys do it. They manage to never lose the entire time, but that's pretty rare. Right. And Usually, if their records are good and they're winning, they're going to get matched up with harder and harder opponents mm -hmm. during the tournament. I so mean, that's the way f football is here. You know, you make the playoffs. And you're like, fighting the best teams. Yeah. yeah. Until you get to the Super Bowl. Which is yeah. day 15. Yeah. the Yeah. Day 15 is the Super Bowl of sumo. And it's always super exciting. The other thing that's exciting about it is they always always program these things for maximum excitement yeah. so they always take guys who have the same record like they're both 10 and 2 or they're both 13 and 1 and have them fight on the right. last day so well, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be 10 and 2 you'd be 10 and 4 well, 10 15. and 2 on day 12 oh, oh, or 13 yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah, so yeah. i'm working up to day 15 yes, yes, right yes. um so so they have similar records is what I'm saying. And they put guys with similar or very the same records fighting each other. And so you're always like, oh, my God, ooh, is this guy going to win? Is he going to get the status? It's, there's is just he going to win the tournament? There's a lot riding right. on each and every one of these bouts. And there is a winner of each tournament. Whoever yeah. has the most wins. And there's only one winner. Okay. Only one winner. One winner. And they get giant trophies. They get yep. a giant macaroon. Yep. They get they get a whole bunch of rice. And beer. And, and beer. tea. And mushrooms. And a car. And, you get a brand new car. And watches. And yeah, we, we've done lots of episodes on exactly what they win. Yeah. But And each great. day that they're fighting, after they win a match, they get a chunk of envelopes filled with cash. So if you've been winning and the cash envelopes come from sponsors, um, you could walk away with quite a chunk of change if you have been winning consistently throughout. And the higher ranked you are, the more sponsors throw their money at your matches. Yeah. But that's, 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 I mean, but people do wonder what are those envelopes? They do and just wonder. Know that there's, there's, it's, they're filled with cash. Yeah. 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 There's, all, you're going to have a lot of questions. If you're new to Sumo and you're going to start watching it, you're going to have a lot of questions about what is happening right. and why people are dressed certain ways and what they're saying. That's all 
par for the course and you're going to learn that eventually. Right. But I think the important thing for you to do is just pick one guy, pick yeah. one guy that you want to follow, right. maybe two. Right. And see if you could track them through the whole tournament right. and see if they get more wins than losses because mm -hmm. that's what they want. Yeah. Find your, find your new favorite. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk real quick about what the actual matches are like. Okay. So each wrestler is called up and then boom, it's over. And then boom, it's over. <laughs> no, it's a really long process. You really can't experience it with the highlights on television. But each match, they they get up on the doyo and they have four minutes, okay? Four minutes to psych themselves up, to mentally prepare themselves. They come down, they, they, they squat, they raise their arms again, you know, proving there's a whole bunch of ceremony across the doyo to the other person, showing them I have no weapons. Anyway. Let's just say they each have their personal style. Yes. They each have their personal style, their pump-up style. Yeah. And they have four minutes it's, to it's do this. It's like if, if everyone was going to line up and run a race, mm -hmm. we would all be warming up in different ways. Some yeah. people would be like doing lunges. Some mm -hmm. people would be doing squats. Some people would be jumping up and down and right. like shaking their hands all over the place. That's what these wrestlers are like. They all have different ways of psyching themselves up for it. And that's half the joy of watching sumo, honestly, yeah. is to find the wrestler with the best pre-bout ritual, ritual that you like sure. to get behind. Because Absolutely. they're all so very unique and unlike, again, anything that they you would see in American they want. sports. They lift up their legs and do what's called the shiko. And that is... A pretty ballerina move. It looks like a pretty ballerina move. But what it is is something that is their one of their baseline training techniques to strengthen their lower half and deal with their flexibility, make sure that to not, yeah, to not get injured, they have to be crazy flexible. So each match, sometimes they go up to two minutes. Most of the time, they are a split second. They're less than 10 seconds. It's like the rodeo. They're all aiming. It's like eight seconds of glory. It's usually really, really short. And these guys put everything in their, everything they've got in those eight seconds or two minutes, however long it goes. Well, that's really the skill of sumo is, is and well, developing the ability to put all of your power and strength in the tachi eye or in the the movement around the tachi eye. Right. Right. And so we're watching speed. We're watching strength. We're watching explosiveness. Agility. We're watching flexibility. Quickness at the edge. Yeah. There's ability so to read much, your partner. Yeah. There's so much magic in a very short period of time. Yeah. And I know it's weird to hear two women talking about how much they love sumo, but it's, it's a very accessible sport. And if we've learned anything doing this podcast is that people at any age, any sex, any background can really come to love sumo yeah. and appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, this ancient sport. Yeah. With so many of its traditions alive and for real in front of our faces. Yeah, and, and there's a lot to love about it. So yeah. no matter if you come at it with a real interest in history or a real interest in movement. I find people who love just Japanese culture. It's yes. the next thing they're curious about. The language. You could come to the sport simply because you love the language and you want to learn the, right. you want to learn it. Right. The, you want to learn the country. You want to learn the culture. There's so much... That's yeah. behind this door of sumo. Right. And, uh, and it's I just, fun. yeah, it's a, 
fun way to approach it's, Japanese it's, culture and yeah. life and sports. Yeah. And honestly, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, it's uh, really fun to watch mm-hmm. and enjoyable, mm-hmm. oftentimes quite funny. There's some really wonderful mm-hmm. personalities and in the sumo sometimes world. Guys get really hurt. And well, that's, and that's not that's my love. No, of, you know, no, but of the it sport. is a dangerous sport. Yeah, but it's a sport we love. There's a lot of things we miss, but for the most part, I hope that gives you an idea of kind of what you're watching. Yeah. You could watch sumo because you love wrestling and you want to see these epic takedowns. You could watch sumo for all the cultural displays, for the ceremonies. You could also watch sumo because of the fantastic slow-mos that you get to see on TV of the takedowns. You could watch it because you want to get the really close-ups of these guys' faces when they lose or after they win. The people who are running the cameras are just so very good at catching all of the, not only the physicality, but the reaction shots in the faces of these guys who are supposed to be without emotion you could watch sumo because you get really into the fandom like you just want to see how these guys live their lives and what they do and what what they eat on a day-to-day basis you could watch sumo because you like to see big guys with small little glasses on their heads which is always very enjoyable as well (laughs) they never wear their glasses in the ring you could watch sumo because you're really interested in who these guys are dating i'm fascinated by that there's a lot of reasons that sumo is just such a just a beacon of curiosity. Yeah. And we so barely scratch the surface. With all of this, there are festivals they're involved in. There are so many other aspects of a sumo wrestler's life that are just as fascinating. We kind of wanted to go back to the basics this week, just in case there was somebody listening that didn't know much about the sport, or they were curious why we were fascinated by it. And also to give an intro to what we'd like to do next week, which is have an episode that's ask us anything. Right. If you have a question about sumo that you have not been able to answer, or if you just want to get our take on something, please send us an email, sumokaboom at gmail.com. You can call us. Call us. I do not have our number right in front of us. Do you? It's 903 something. <laughs> we'll we'll put it in our socials, but you can call us and leave a message yeah, and ask, ask us a question. You can ask what Laurie and I do when we're not doing. Yeah. you can ask personal questions. It, yeah, anything, all cards are off the on the table. All cards are on the table, or think, all cards are off the table. I think, I, I don't know. What is that saying? I all cards know. are off the table. Uh, whatever it is, just you can ask cards. us. Just bring yeah. cards. Just bring cards and a gin and tonic, <laughs> and I'll I'll be your friend. Yeah. No, you could ask us anything about. Our lives about sumo. Anything you're curious about. Yeah. We're happy to talk about it. If you have some friends who are sumo curious, you know, and you want to point them this direction to this podcast, please do. We always appreciate your word of mouth. But also remember, there's a lot of other resources online, Facebook groups, other podcasts, people who do a lot of really good work, um, trying in the best way possible to honor the sport. We're enthusiasts firsts. And uh, we love the sport. So if you want to share this with some friends who are curious, hopefully this will explain things. And if not, we thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Yeah. We hope you didn't turn didn't turn you off from the sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send us any question you have next week. It's all it's gonna be ask I guess me ask me anything or would you rather? We're happy <laughs> to answer <laughs> would, would you, you rather, rather questions. Okay. So send us in some questions or some would you rathers so we have something to talk about next week. That's right. 
Well, I'll leave this episode with maybe one would you rather. Great. Would you rather sit in a fart-filled room for one hour? Okay. Or would you rather have poop on your sleeve all day? Oh, fart-filled room. Not even a question. Not even <laughs> it's a question. It's on your sleeve. You know, I have spent years of but my poop, life. And I mean, on your sleeve might not smell after. Oh, yes, it would. <laughs> Absolutely. You can always breathe through your mouth. You can be in a fart-filled room and breathe through this your mouth. This is a heavily farted room. Yeah, but if you can't smell it, <laughs> no worries. Yeah, easy peasy answer. All right. With that, I hope we covered everything. Until next time, I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. Sayonara. See y'all later. Bye. Bye.